as we go forward today. Now, we, we're living in uncertain times, aren't we? We're, we're living in this time where there's a, a lot of things happening that have never happened before. And, and I'm 51 years, and I've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, we've seen uh, 9-11. We saw stock market crashes. We've seen the housing crash. Uh, we've seen the Enron scandal. We've seen wars in the Middle East. Uh, we've seen, again, 9-11, the Notre Dame church burn down. We've seen the Challenger explode. Uh, one of the best things I ever saw was my three daughters being born. We've seen amazing things. Uh, we've seen things that we thought we would never experience, but we've never experienced something quite like this before, have we? Uh, I reached out to uh, the Elmwood Park community this week, and I reached out to the church, and I, I sent out a list of some questions, and um, the third question uh, was this one. It said, what are your what are you most uncertain about right now? And so uh, as I began to receive answers for these, uh, these three questions, I, I focused mainly on that third one, and the responses I received had a very similar thread running through them. They had responses like, what will happen to my job? Uh, what will happen uh, with my retirement investments? Will they be enough for, for me to, to continue to stay retired? Will they support us into the future? When will everything that's going on right now end? Uh, what will our social interactions look like after this? There's a lot of uncertainty right now. How, how can I keep paying the bills? What else is going to change? What's going to happen next? And we can look back at Easter this morning and, and see with certainty some things that we know happen and some things that we can celebrate and some things that, that we can have uh, a celebration about this morning. We know uh, because that time has passed, we can look back and see with certainty we know some things happen. We know that Christ died, He was buried, He rose again, and, and that certainty brings Christians uh, all across the world and throughout time a great deal of comfort. And I want us to take a few minutes this morning uh, I want you to take, take a couple minutes and cast yourself back to that day. Uh, we're going to be in John 20 today, so you can take a look at that in your Bibles. Uh, it'll also be on the screen when it comes up. But I want you to cast yourself back to the day and, and, and try to imagine yourself in that time. Take a few minutes with me now, because they were having a completely different Easter than we're having today. If we were to imagine ourselves... Uh, back in that day, it might have started a little something like this. Mary rose early, and she went out to the tomb to check on the body of Jesus. When she got there, she realized the tomb had been opened. And so she stooped down to peek inside, and, and the body of Jesus was gone. She stood up, she turned around, and she went back to the house, and she went to Simon Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved, and she said, they've taken his body, he's gone. They started to head towards the tomb, Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved, running to the tomb. The disciple that Jesus loved was faster, and he overtook Simon Peter, and he got there first. And he stopped at the entrance, and he stooped down, and he looked inside, and he could see the tomb was empty, and he could see the cloth that was covering Jesus was folded nicely and set to the side. About that time, the disciple that Jesus loved caught up to him passed him and went into the tomb. He saw the same thing, empty tomb, cloth that covered Jesus folded nicely. And then he noticed the cloth that covered Jesus' head was also folded nicely but placed in a different place. They walked back out of the tomb in, in confusion, looking around that he was gone, and they, they went back to the house, and they went back to tell the rest of the disciples what they had seen. Well, now, Mary remained. Mary remained at the tomb. She was weeping. 
And as she was weeping, she stooped down and she peered into the tomb because she wanted to get a look for herself. And when she looked inside, she saw two angels. One sitting by where the head of Jesus had been and one sitting by where the feet of Jesus had been. And as she looked at him, they addressed her and said, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, Well, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where they put him. At that moment, she stood up, she turned around and looked behind her, and Jesus was standing there. He said, woman, why do you weep? Whom are you seeking? She didn't recognize it was Christ yet, and supposing that he was probably the gardener in charge of taking care of that area, she said, if you've taken his body, please tell me where he is, and then I can go and and take him and take care of him. And at that point, he said, Mary. And she looked at him. And she realized it was Jesus. And she was in shock. And he said, Mary, don't cling to me. She must have, we we don't know, Scripture doesn't say, but she must have reached out to grab him. And he said, Mary, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father, but go back to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And she turned and she went and she went back to the house and she told them, she said, I've seen Jesus And then she told them everything that he had said. In John 20, 19, it says this, On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were uh, at for fear of the Jews. This is where we find ourselves. At the the end of this story, they've heard Mary's story. They've heard Simon Peter's story. They've heard the disciple that Jesus loved tell the story. And what we see here is in these days following the crucifixion, there must have been some uncertain times. And so maybe the time we're in now isn't so different than the time they were in. Maybe they were uncertain as well. So maybe with the benefit of hindsight, we can look back at that Easter morning and see that it wasn't so different. The words of John sound familiar to us today, maybe even more familiar than they've ever sounded to us before because they parallel the situation we are in currently. Simply put, the disciples were self-quarantining. They had stayed at home. They had locked the doors out of fear for what was on the outside. Now, their fears were different than ours. They were afraid of the Jews because the Jewish religious establishment had taken Christ, tried him, and, and, and executed him on a cross. They were fearful that, that maybe that same fate lie in store for them. So they stayed home, they locked the doors, and they stayed inside for fear of what might happen to them. Today we're afraid. Today we're, we're locked inside because of an unseen enemy, a virus. We don't know who it will strike or when it will strike. Uh, it, it, it's sickening people and people around us are dying. We're worried that it might be coming for us, so we're careful. We stay home. Uh, and not only that, but we're worried about the ramifications of what's to come. How has this shutdown in our economy, uh, how, how, what are, the, what are the, the short term, the middle term, and the long term effects of this? And we have these worries and we have these concerns, and, and we are locked at home. Now, the disciples' methods in staying safe were the same as ours. They stayed home. They locked the doors. They didn't go out. They probably worried about and wondered about the same things we think about. How long will this last? Uh, How will we shop? How will we work? 
how will we go out without endangering ourselves? If we do go out and we come back home, how do we ensure that we don't bring danger back with us? How will we know when it's safe to return to life as it once was? I'm certain their minds uh, were filled with as many of the same questions and doubts and concerns as we have today. Also take note of this. Besides being self-quarantined, they had also marked themselves safe at home. Uh, They didn't have Facebook and they couldn't post it, but they were safe at home. The first Easter, if you ever thought about this, the first Easter was celebrated in a house. Do you see the parallel with where we're at today? Most all of us, with the exception of a few who who are here doing the technical stuff, most all of us are at home celebrating Easter. They were celebrating the first Easter, if you could call hiding in fear celebrating. They were celebrating it at home. Please don't allow the fact that you are celebrating Easter at home, don't, don't, don't allow that fact to escape you. This is important. This is monumental. This is something that has never happened to us before. It's significant. It may never happen again. And, and, and as soon as I said that, everybody said, God willing, I hope it never happens again. I hope next year we're all together. I hope we're all together very soon. But don't feel down about today. Don't complain about today. Don't worry about today. Don't lament over what might have been. In fact, Lydia and I, were, we were driving this morning. Lydia came today uh, to be a support and, and, and to cheer on and, and, and help with a couple things this morning. And we were talking on the way here, and I said, I really was looking forward to Easter together this year because I wanted to see what it was going to be like because the church has been growing and, and, and community members have been coming and guests have been coming and new people have been coming and people have been experiencing transformation in Christ and hearing the message of the gospel and responding to it. And I was looking forward to what was going to happen today. And as soon as I said that, I remembered <laughs> the, the text of the message, don't dismay over what could have been. Instead, embrace what is. We have an opportunity now to experience something that the first disciples and the first apostles and the first gathered people who were celebrating, uh, they didn't quite understand it yet, but they were celebrating this, this resurrection of Christ. We have an opportunity to connect with them in a way we've never had before. Locked in the, in the home that day uh, were the 11, Simon Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, uh, who is also called Nathaniel, Thomas, Matthew, uh, James, Simon the Zealot, and Thaddeus, who is also called Jude. There were probably some other people there, some of the women that traveled with them. Uh, the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, son of James, and, and likely Joanna was there. If you read some of the other gospel accounts, you see that those three women uh, did a lot to take care of the body of Christ. And so it was likely that they were all gathered together in that house. Take a look at John 20 with me, and we'll pick up the story in verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, 
they are forgiven them. If we withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So Jesus came and he spoke to them. And, and, and the part of that passage, the scripture that resounds to me is, then the disciples were glad. Jesus appeared, peace be with you. Look, my hands, my side, my feet. Then the disciples were glad. Uncertainty gave way to certainty. Christ is risen. Anxiety gave way to gladness. Christ who was crucified, died and was buried, has risen and is alive. And listen, if that is true, then his promise to return and gather those who are his, who will also rise in a resurrection, then also must be true. This is the message of Easter. This is the, this is the reason we're gathered today. When Christ appeared and he proved to them he really was the Christ, by showing them his wounds, the disciples were glad they were glad. They were glad when they saw that he was in fact their Lord, but they were just beginning to have a realization that not only was he their Lord, their master, the one they followed, but that he was also going to be their savior, the one who could rescue them from the power of sin and death, because he had overcome the power of sin and death himself. He wasn't done with them yet. And he's not done with me. And he's not done with you. We can be glad too. In the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of the chaos that's swirling around us, we can have hope in a resurrection of our own because Christ rose again. Christ's resurrection ensures that all of those who are in Christ will also rise. In the midst of this uncertainty all around us today, and because of the truths of Easter, because he rose, we can have certainty of this. I'm going to read out of John 3.16, probably some of the best known scripture in all of the Bible. We can have certainty that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Today, we can be certain of one thing for sure. Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit love you, and they love me. Because he loved us, he sent his Son. Christ came to rescue you, he came to rescue me, and he came to rescue all who would call on his name, all who would confess him as Lord and Savior, all who would call Romans 5, 8 talks about this. Sorry, I'm sorry, uh, that's not 5, 8, that's uh, 10. <laughs> 10 uh, I'm going to read 10, 9 and 10 out of Romans. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now Romans 5.8, let's look at that one. It says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What I couldn't do for myself, God did for me. God reached out of heaven in the body of Christ, and he reached down to me, and he reached down to you in the body of Christ to save us. Hebrews 9 says this, 
verse 27 and 28. Just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. We know a little something about waiting, don't we? I don't know about you, but I feel like we've been waiting for four weeks. We've been waiting for the end of this. We've been waiting for spring. Lydia many times has said, man, if it were just nice outside, we could at least sit in the yard. And we've had rain and we've had cold and we've had that one day where it snowed a little. But we're waiting for spring. We're waiting for better days. We're waiting for better relationships. We're waiting for a better job, a better career, the end of school. Waiting for the end of quarantine. Waiting for the things of this world to return to normal. All of us are waiting for something. So my question for you today is this. Are you waiting for Him? Are you waiting for Christ? What are you waiting for today? What are you hoping for? Are you hoping for the the economy to recover, for your situation to improve, for the end of the virus? I'm just going to say to you today that those are small things to wait for. They seem huge now. They seem tremendous. But these are are maybe even too small to hope for because if I've learned anything in the last 51 years, it's this. There's always going to be another life-altering event. There's always going to be another. After the coronavirus, it's going to be something else. And then something else, and something else after that. It's always been this way, and it always will be. That's how life is. So I'm compelled today to to, to say to you, wait on something bigger. Wait on something bigger than the end of this virus. Wait on something more worthwhile. Wait on something that's truly life-changing. The life of the Son, of the Creator of all things, has given up His life for you. Wait on that. His life was traded for yours so that you could have life today, abundant and full on this earth and everlasting with Him in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that's something worth waiting for. I love that that, that scripture again in Hebrews. Christ will come a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting on Him. Are you waiting on Him today? Scripture's very clear. Uh, I read that, that verse a moment ago out of, out of Romans. Uh, I want to read it again. Because it talks about how to know and, and, and ask Christ to be your Savior, how you can know that He's your Savior. It's a very, I say simple, it's complex in that you have to give up your way, your will, and your rights to this life and call Him Lord for Him to be your Savior. But it's simple in that Scripture says all we have to do is confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and we will be saved. So today, the message of Easter has come again. Uh, it's resounded again through Scripture, through reading, uh, through a, uh, what we call exhortation, through preaching. And now it comes to this point where we ask the question, what are you waiting on? And what are you hoping in? This is the point where 
you decide. Am I going to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Some of you have done that. Some of you can, can point to a day and a time where you said, yes, Lord, and no to myself. You, you repented, that, that, that said Christian-y word that just means you turned away from your way, from your sin and from your will, and you followed God. That's what you have to do. You have to, you have to go to the Father and say, Father, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for wanting to do my own thing, my own way. I want to go your way. And you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. That sounds like a simple statement. But you're in essence saying that he is my master. When he says jump, I jump. When he says stop, I stop. So you go to the Father and you say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I want to repent. I want to turn away from that. I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and my Master. I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead as we have read uh, in John today. Please save me. You can pray that prayer right now. Right exactly where you're at. In your home, in your car. Uh, wherever you are, where you're listening to this, you just go to the Father in your own words. Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Save me from myself. I want to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that you raised your son from the dead on my behalf. Lord, save me. And he will. And you will become a new creation. Paul says at that moment, the old is gone and the new has come. And we receive a new power a new power over sin in our life, and a new direction, and a new, a new connection with the Father because He now is our Lord and our Savior. That's the message of Easter. What are you waiting for today? Are you waiting for an end to this? Are you waiting for things to get better? I'm just going to submit to you today, stop waiting, and ask Christ your, to, to be your Lord to be your Savior and to be your master.